Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that's all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. Well, friends, this is episode 234 of Sorta Awesome, and I just want to remind those of you who are taking a little leave of absence from Facebook, maybe during the Lenten season, or maybe you are like, you know what, it's an election year. Best for me mentally if I leave Facebook for a while as Kelly Gordon is raising <laughs> her hand. <laughs> hey, you guys, don't forget. We are on Instagram and Instagram can be, you know, it can be a little bit uh, more joyful place, a little bit less stressful. So if you're taking a break from Facebook and you don't want to lose track with what's going on in Sorta Awesome, come on over, find us on Instagram. We're going to be hanging out there. We've got you covered. You'll cover all of your bases with everything that's going on with Sorta Awesome, including our Awesome of the Week thread every Friday. So just a reminder, if you haven't already found us on Instagram, you can do that by going to Instagram and looking up at Sorta Awesome Show. Okay, like I said, this is episode 234 of Sorta Awesome. I am joined by my very longtime, very dear friend, everyone's favorite big sister, Kelly Gordon. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Meg Teets. Well, this week we are talking about food and eating and kind of uh, pulling out some classics from our kitchen. What we're doing is actually pulling out a classic Sorta Awesome. We're going to talk about that more here in just a few minutes, what we have cooked up for you for this episode of Sorta Awesome. But first, let's go ahead and start the show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's that moment in the show where we stop and tell you about the books or TV shows, movies, podcasts, whatever is making life a little bit more awesome for you right now. Kelly, I can't wait to hear what's awesome in your life at this moment. I am bringing a recipe. It is my first recipe of 2020, I think. Yeah, and I especially think it is. fitting for this show, I think. But here's the thing: I'm a little, to be honest, sick of soup by this point in the winter. Yes. I, I kind of yeah. am just because, you know, it's a frequent sort of thing that I think many of us feed ourselves and our families. But what I'm actually bringing today, it is a soup recipe, but it's one of those lighter soups. It's not a thick soup. It's not a chili. It is not cream based. It does not have cheese. Okay. But it's still really nice 
It's super easy and quick, very kid-friendly, and I think it can get us through these spring months when we're not quite sure what the weather's going to do. You know, I don't know. I'm a weird cook in the fact that I like to cook seasonal. Oh, I don't think that makes you weird at all. I think that makes you a fantastic cook because that's when you're getting the freshest produce and you're just going with whatever sounds good at the moment. So, (laughs) I just want to know what Nico's having. Nico. Nico is in here. It sounds a little bit like a daycare with just one baby. Um, so yes. <laughs> but well, no, I think that that is that is the way to cook. Okay, so this soup is called a chicken wonton soup. It is from the website Damn Delicious, which is run by Chungo Ree. And I love so many of her recipes, you guys. If you are not already familiar with Damn Delicious, go check out her website. She is an empire All of her recipes are phenomenal, and the videography and the photography, everything in there is just fantastic, especially if you're a foodie or you're just somebody who likes to eat. So the recipe that I want to draw your attention to today is actually called her chicken wonton soup. It is very accessible and easy, and I'm going to tell you how I do it, which is even easier than the recipe, okay? So this recipe actually has two parts. One part is where you make your own homemade wontons to put in the soup. And you guys, it's very approachable. When I read it, it's ingredients that most of us have. You just buy wonton wrappers and then you make this filling. You don't even have to cook the meat beforehand. You put it in there and then you've got them ready to put in the soup, right? Or you could skip that step, which is what I do. And I just buy the already pre-made wontons that you can get in the grocery stores these days in the frozen food section. So Costco has a bag of, they call them mini wontons. I'm not sure like the size difference. They're not huge, but you know, they're, they're still a good, you know, half dollar big size. Um, So I buy those and then I just follow the other part of her recipe. So the other part of her recipe is just kind of the broth and the ingredients. It's basically, I'm going to read you so that those of you who can picture the ingredients in your brain can like, like get a visual and a smell olfactory sense for what we're doing here. It's like sesame oil and canola oil. You put garlic and ginger into that. And you guys, I even use the jarred, like squeeze bottle ginger. Is that horrible? I think a true fruity would be shocked at me right now. But I'm using like pre-minced jarred garlic and squeezed ginger. So you're just like cooking that till it's really yummy and fragrant. And then you put in a bunch of chicken broth, some rice wine vinegar to give it a little kick, a little soy sauce. And then it has three kinds of vegetables. It has, it calls for actual shiitake mushrooms. I usually don't make that extra effort. I usually often use just the white button mushrooms. And then it has baby bok choy that you chop up and green onions. That's it. And both of those, of course, cook very quickly. Even the mushrooms cook very quickly. It all cooks together in that broth. I would say that broth goes together in 20 minutes. And then you put your wontons in straight from the frozen bag that you bought them at Trader Joe's or at Costco or at Target or any grocery store that you're at. And then that's going to be ready in another two to three minutes. Boom. Dinner is ready. And you have a great wonton soup. Of course, you can buy whatever kind of wontons you want that are pre-frozen. You could buy just vegetable ones. You can buy, um, you know, pork or chicken, which is pretty traditional. And it is a really flavorful, yummy soup that, again, is not heavy, is super easy. And I think it's kid-friendly because, you know, for sure they're going to eat the wontons. They might drink the broth. They may not eat (laughs) the vegetables. Mine are like, Ah, what is this green stuff, mom? And I'm like, it's bok choy. It's good. They, You'll like it. And they're like, I'm skeptical. But 
I like it. And it's a great change of pace from some of the winter vegetables that many of us here in North America eat all the time. You know, the carrots, the onions, the celery, the potatoes. So I just have been loving the soup and it smells good and it's so fast and it really is a great leftover for lunch the next day. You might just have to add a little bit more water because, you know, any pasta-y sort of thing in a soup is going to absorb the extra broth that it's been sitting in. It is just fantastic. And if I may say so, it is damn delicious, just like the website is called. So look for, of course, we'll put the recipe in the show notes, chicken wonton soup at damndelicious.net. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And I love all of your shortcuts too, because I am all about that for yeah. sure. But that sounds, I'm, I'm like listening to you. I'm like, that is the perfect lunch food for sure. Because yeah. you can make a big batch and then just grab a little as the week goes on. That sounds incredible. It is. And I will say this, I, I forgot to add that I find baby bok choy at Trader Joe's. They have a pack that is a three pack of baby bok choy, you know, but yes. um, you can get it in most grocery stores. I know that some of the smaller grocery stores like Aldi and that sort of stuff, they probably aren't going to have bok choy. But right. you know, any any regular quote unquote grocery store will have bok choy if you don't know exactly where to look for it. Totally. That sounds so good. Okay. Well, we'll have a link in the show notes for you guys on that. Uh, my awesome of the week, Kelly, I cannot stop talking about. In fact, I had planned a totally different one. Then this came into my life and I was like, oh no, I got to change. I got to tell the awesomes about this right away because I don't want anyone to miss this. So it is the brand new memoir from Jessica Simpson. I heard you. I saw this on Facebook, actually, when you said this. Yes. Was it in the Hangout? It was in the Superstars group. This book I was already not gave the even Superstars on my, a okay. heads up. Of course you did. This book yeah. was not even on my radar. So I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Okay. I think maybe you're like me, Kelly. This might not be on your radar. If you're like Jessica Simpson, you remember her from maybe her newlyweds reality show when she was married to Nick Lachey, or even you're just... I don't know. You just maybe From missed her your moment brother's, in time. Your brother's wall posters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that too. Exactly. Exactly. When she was on the reality show Newlyweds, um, she kind of had this persona as being kind of a ditzy blonde, not much substance there. I saw one of our superstars, Elizabeth, raving about this book on Facebook, and I trust her book recommendations. And so I picked it up right away. Kelly... It is entrancing. It is intriguing. It is fascinating. It is so beautifully written. And I'll tell you what, Elizabeth suggested to get the audio version because Jessica reads it herself. Um, there is so much going on here. I will tell you all that she starts out the book by talking about the moment in time where her friends kind of gathered around her and had basically an informal intervention because they were so concerned about her and how much she had been drinking. Mm. And so she starts the book with the story of how she decided to get sober. And then she backtracks all the way back to the beginning of her story. And really just starting from childhood, going into um, auditioning for the Mickey Mouse Club and not making it in the same era when like um, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Carrie Russell and all of those people were on the Mickey Mouse Club, um, moving into finding fame, into her marriage to Nick Lachey, filming Newlyweds, all of this stuff. And then divorcing and dating around in Hollywood, leading up to how she met her current husband and, and became a mom. Um, she covers so much stuff, Kelly, that is so relatable, especially I think if you grew up in the era of sort of 90s 
evangelical youth group culture, which is really where her formative years were spent. Her dad, Joe Simpson, who many of us kind of knew as being adjacent to the newlyweds, he and Tina, her mom, were often on the newlyweds. Um, But he was a youth uh, minister and she had other ministers in her family. Her, Her grandfather was one. So she was really formed in this deep Texas evangelical culture and how, as she grew up and was exposed to, um, you know, life in Nashville sometimes, but also Hollywood, how that kind of unpacked her faith. And yet at the same time, faith has been like this thread throughout her whole life. She covers how, uh, she experienced sexual abuse as a child, um, in a, in a situation with a family friend, how that left a lasting impact on her life, how it led to some of her addiction issues. I mean, I just can't even tell you enough. Like there's so much going on in this book. It's an absolute page turner, unless you're like me and you get it on audio. And then you're just, you cannot stop listening because she is so vulnerable and so honest and just covers so many beats that I think are so relatable. And this came out at the beginning of February. If you would have asked me last month, would you be interested in a memoir from Jessica Simpson? I probably would have been like, you know, I'll pass. It's fine. I've got it up to read. You guys make room on your to be read uh, list for open book by Jessica Simpson. I promise you it's not what you think. And it is a story that you will be thinking about for a while. So huge, huge thumbs up for Jessica Simpson's open book. Yeah, that's a good one. It's totally has rocketed to the top of all the charts too, because so many, I'll tell you what, like I said, it came out at the beginning of February. It already on Goodreads has over 5,000 ratings. It's like at a 4.26 stars on Goodreads and it's been out for less than a month. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. So you guys, those are our awesomes of the week this week. As always, we'll have links in the show notes for you to check out. And like I said, you can find us over on Instagram at sort of awesome show to share your awesomes of the week or in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout. This week is going to be a little bit different. We have Kelly endured a um, cacophony of interruptions and derailments from our plan for this week, haven't we? I know. You guys, I really think that everybody has had a week like this where through no one's fault, the universe conspires against you. And you're like, why? Why won't it work? Yes. Yesterday, Meg and I tried to record. We were having techni- technical issues. And by the time we got those resolved, our time was up. And she's like, Mercury's in retrograde. Yes. Like, it is the only explanation. <laughs> it it's totally just been is. a week and a half. It really has been. Not only is Mercury in retrograde, uh, Nico Gus is in retrograde too. He's in the middle of a big nap time transition, changing up nap times over here, getting those teeth in. So we just have all kinds of change going on. But we thought it would be a good week to revisit. We're going way back in time to 2015 when Kelly and I did an episode called Here, Taste This, where we shared some classic recipes that we've drawn on for years. And Kelly, we were talking off mic about just kind of that nostalgia feeling about 2015 in general. You guys, where were you in 2015? (laughs) It's like a different world. We were saying this amongst our team today because I was doing some research for our host and she said, I want to get some articles that are way back. It's it's for um, one of our representatives here in Minnesota that we're going to be interviewing. And she's like, I want to go back, you know, to 2014 when he was elected. (laughs) And I'm reading these and I'm like, it's a different world. It was a different time. It was a different time for sure. 
and to listen to one of our shows because we were still pretty new. It's episode 27, right? So you guys, this is old school. I, I'm a little scared. <laughs> Me too. What you're about to hear. <laughs> Me too. But this is such a great episode. It really is a classic. And you, if you it are new to, if you're new to sort of awesome, you may have missed it. But this is where the origin story for the barbecue tuna story came from. That's right. Um, we share all kinds of our classics in this. And Kelly, I want you to give us a quick update too for people who have been relying on Lovewell blog, your previous blog, for years for recipes. You made some changes, and the internet kind of fell apart. I broke the internet. I broke the awesomes. This is my chance to formally apologize and say to the many of you who have been like, what happened? This is not Mercury being in retrograde. This is just me making bad assumptions about people and their lives on the internet, especially when it comes to cooking. You guys, I tend to for sure pin recipes, bookmark recipes that I want to try. But once I have a recipe that I know I I want to keep, I always print it out. So I had kind of assumed that many of you of the recipes that you have chosen to keep of mine, which is always an honor, right? Um, that you've also printed them. And so I am working on a new personal website, a new home for me on the web. And so I allowed my custom domain to lapse. Like I didn't want to pay for it. I didn't want to renew it if I'm not going to keep it up. And because of that, all the links that you guys have broke. None of them go back to my blog anymore because my blog essentially doesn't exist at that domain. So here's what I want you to do. I'm still working on getting the new personal website up, which basically will be a collection of, you know, online work and the recipes that so many of you want. If you need to find those recipes before I debut that site, and of course, we'll tell you about it here, you can go to lovewell.blogspot.com. That's my blog. It's still there. It's got half the images are missing. It's it's in dis, it's in disrepair. It's in disarray. You know, like it's like a house that's starting to fall down. Everything's going wrong and wonky on it. But you can still find the recipes for sure there. So it's not like they're not on the web. They're just not at the links that you used to have. So lovewell.blogspot.com will get you to all the recipes that you know and love. And then eventually, hopefully, they'll be on a new, newer, prettier, more accessible site. And we will tell you about it when that happens. And also, I'm going to raise my hand and say, same thing over here. I am also trying to, in my very copious free yeah. time, set up a personal website. So sort of crunchy. Also, the domain has lapsed. I'm going to try to rescue what recipes I can and pop them in to the show notes for you guys. Um, because I don't even have... <laughs> I don't even have a place to send you on the web, but I'll rescue right. what I can to put in the show notes. But really, truly, you guys, the recipes you want are actually Kelly's. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing is that some of the recipes on my website are things that I have shared or I've adapted. And so they're on my website because I just couldn't find a good way to do it elsewise. But many of the ones, like the one I just shared for my Awesome of the Week at Damn Delicious, they're not my recipes. These are just recipes that I'm finding. And I'm like, you guys have to go make this. So I think that in the last couple of years, most of the things I've shared here on the podcast, I we have linked out to other sites. It hasn't even been to my site. The last time I posted a recipe on my site was like 2017. So that's why I thought, oh, well, I'm sure that everybody who cares, it's been years since people have been going to my blog. <laughs> Apparently I was wrong. So no. again, apologies to those of you who I may have frustrated or were like, I can't make the chicken tacos. Exactly. Yes. Panic ensued. Okay, you guys, like I said, we are revisiting a classic from the archives today. Um, and so from this sort of awesome kitchen to yours, you guys here, taste this. 
Hey, Awesomes, I don't know about you, but this is the time of year when everybody is starting to get a little stir-crazy around here. It's also the time of year when many of us start thinking about planning a fun vacation, maybe for later this spring or on into the summer. And I know lots of you are thinking this is the year you pack everyone up and take them to a theme park. And that's why you got to check out Undercover Tourist. With Undercover Tourist, you get the exact same tickets to theme parks that you know and love for less. There's no catch. You can save up to $145 on each theme park ticket. Wow, that's huge. And think of the savings for a family of four or six. Undercover Tourist is an authorized seller. They have 20 years of quality service providing theme park and attraction tickets at discounted prices. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have over 1 million app downloads of their Orlando Wait Times app. Undercover Tourist is hassle-free. You can get email or physical tickets. You skip the lines at the gate and go straight to the rides. You pay what you see. There are no hidden fees and taxes included where applicable. They offer 90-day ticket returns where applicable with friendly, knowledgeable agents. Undercover Tourist offers additional discounts for bundling tickets with hotels and car rentals. So as you can see, Undercover Tourist is the trusted name for theme park tickets. Start planning your next theme park vacation by visiting undercovertourist.com awesome. You're going to get an additional discount using awesome on top of the already big savings offered through Undercover Tourist. That's undercovertourist.com slash awesome. Okay, Awesomes, I've been a skincare junkie for a couple of years now, but would you believe I have never tried a face oil? Well, all of that changed when I got a hold of True Botanicals Pure Radiance Oil. I've only ever used moisturizer creams to moisturize my face. I cannot believe what a difference it makes to use a face oil of incredible quality like True Botanicals. Not only is it fantastic at increasing the hydration levels in my skin, but it's also working on those little fine lines and wrinkles. And that's just one incredible product from True Botanicals. True Botanicals skin and body products deliver results without toxins. They're filled with natural and organic ingredients, and they use both the latest scientific advances and centuries-old botanical extracts to create all natural formulas in their products, like their hydrating face cleanser, their face oil for aging skin, and their nutrient face mist. So every True Botanicals formula is made safe certified. That means it's made without 5,000 of the known toxic ingredients. But Unlike most non-toxic products, you guys, True Botanical solutions actually work to repair skin issues. I mean, I've seen the difference in my skin, but I can also tell you that True Botanicals have conducted three independent clinical studies and in all three trials, True Botanicals outperformed Creme de la Mer and Proactive products. So whether you're looking for an effective anti-aging regime, if you have sensitive skin that needs a solution, maybe you're battling pregnancy hormones or you're struggling with acne-prone skin, True Botanicals has a natural formulation that will protect and nourish your skin. You guys have just got to try True Botanicals for yourself. You're going to get 15% off of your first purchase at truebotanicals.com awesome. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com awesome. That's truebotanicals.com dot com slash awesome. So this week we are going to talk about food. We thought this would be a fun episode to cover right now, um, especially as you know here we are in the middle of September, and before you know it, the holidays are going to be barreling towards us, which is food extravaganza time for most families and most people and workplaces and all of those things where everybody brings out their best. And Kelly, I have to tell you this funny story. I didn't tell you this before we started recording, but I, you know, you're talking about how you and I, we've used our blogs for memories. 
Twitch. <laughs> so I was thinking, because I knew we were going to talk about some of our favorite recipes, and I was like, I, I need to go check the blog. I need to go check Sort of Crunchy and see what recipes I actually enjoyed enough to put on the blog. So I was looking through all of my recipe archives on Sort of Crunchy. I came across a post from April of 2010 when I was doing a Sort of Crunchy Q&A series. So obviously... <laughs> I was like, wow, I, I really, it's really important to me that people ask me, <laughs> ask me questions. <laughs> this is a theme. <laughs> this is like the recurring theme of my life. I don't, I feel like probably somebody out there can psychoanalyze that. <laughs> what I, what did I not get in childhood <laughs> that I need for people to ask me questions? Anyway, April, 2010, sort of crunchy q and I have in there that I had a question from Kelly at Lovewell. And the question that you asked me was, um, what are your food preferences? <laughs> and are you sort of crunchy there as well? And I just started laughing when I saw that. I was like, this is perfect because you and I do talk about food a lot. Yeah. So here we go. Well, we did not have a specific question from a listener to um, – to cover this week, but we just thought that the timing was right to talk about food. And in the Hangout group on Facebook, menu planning, recipe sharing, these are topics that come up a lot. So we mm -hmm. thought, let's just go ahead and cover it on the show. So Kelly, I wanted to start with you. Um, we have talked about this several times on the show. You and I both have four children, and we are both the oldest of four children. So we kind of have some similarities going on in our background and current life. I would love to hear kind of what did food prep, what did um, cooking and eating and recipes and all of that stuff, what did that look like in childhood for you on up into when you got married and, and started a home of your own? Well, the funny thing is, is that they were in some ways very opposite, which is kind of interesting when you look back on it. My mom is a fantastic cook and a from scratch cook. A uh, very American cook, you know, meat and potatoes, that sort of um, cooking, but yet just love, she really loves to cook and love to um, cook special meals and she loved to bake. We always had homemade cookies, you know, that sort of thing. So just grew up eating um, pretty healthy, you know, I mean, healthy for the 80s, I guess. You know, sometimes you look back and you think, wow, that, you know, she, is famous for making this barbecue beef brisket. It's not like Texas brisket would be. It's not right. smoked. It's it's a braised brisket. So mm. you would cook it in the oven um, and she would put this barbecue sauce on it. And it was all of our favorites. So that was often the meal that we would request for our birthdays. And now we laugh because the barbecue sauce that she used for that was it's old pit. I think it's called. It's basically High fructose corn syrup and red dye number 10. Oh, yes. The good you know, like it, Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so now as an adult, I'm like, that was like our favorite meal, you know? So <laughs> there's, it's healthy with a twist. You know, mm -hmm. I think we know more today, I'm sure. Even mm -hmm. back then, I remember her telling me we needed to use margarine for everything, you know, oh, and yeah. now it's, mm -hmm. it's not that. Um, but for the most part, it was really, we ate as a family um, most nights. Um, food also was a mild obsession and a centerpiece of our family and our family memories. You know, we um, always celebrated by eating together. Um, that was the thing that you did. And you know, lots of times, like, I think the holidays have come to be somewhat, you know, Thanksgiving, the whole point of the day is the meal. Right. So that was often the way it was for 
lots of things. You know, the whole point of our birthday was to get to that birthday meal. The whole point of the 4th of July was like, yeah, fireworks, but let's talk about what we're having for dinner. And even now, my siblings and I, we laugh because when we get together, all of us with our, you know, our own children and things, the topic of conversation often is, what are we eating next? Where are we going to go to eat? What are we going to have for dinner? And like, it's just that thing that we think about. It's a natural part of our lives. Um, but then by the time I got to my married life, I guess maybe because I was so used to my mom cooking and she would try to teach me, but I was, you know, a teenager and like, yeah, I don't really, you know, I know how to make chocolate chip cookie dough and scrambled eggs. I'm good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't cook much when Corey and I got married, but maybe that's the next part of the story. What about you and your childhood? That is so interesting because as I'm listening, we had totally opposite experiences. Okay. Um, my mom, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. I've mentioned it in my writing here and there, but my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was two. And again, I'm the oldest of four. And so that was something that she had kind of had to learn how to navigate as both, um, you know, just as a person, but then also as a mom for many years. So um, anybody who has autoimmune disease can probably relate to this, but the evening hours from three to on towards bedtime were really difficult for her. She was usually very drained of energy by the end of the day. So growing up, although my mom grew up with a mother who was a fantastic cook, cooked everything from scratch, my grandmother was amazing um, in the kitchen, just like you were talking about, just that classic Midwestern American Mm -hmm. cook. My mom grew up in Kansas City. Um, So it wasn't that she didn't know how to cook, but by the time I can remember, you know, sort of in elementary and onward, we ate a lot of quick and easy meals. So a lot of convenience foods, a lot of like hamburger helper Mm -hmm. and fish sticks and oven (laughs) fries and stuff like that, which... Um, when I was growing up, I mean, we, of course, we didn't really know any different when we were kids, but as I got older, I was like, oh, fish sticks again. I can't yeah. deal with the thought. <laughs> and also as I got older, my sister, my next youngest sister, um, Emily and I were responsible a lot more for helping in the kitchen, which was actually great. Um, that really helped us be prepared to move out on our own. And so, and also my dad did all of the grocery shopping. Um, again, it would just for the most part, would wear my mom out to try to do a grocery shopping trip. So it was very normal on a Saturday for my dad to head to the grocery store. Again, you know, family of six come home with just like a carload of groceries and we'd all carry it in. So food prep and the whole thing of eating was always very family centered. It was not always that my mom was at the center of all of it. She was as much as she could, but that's always kind of, it's always been sort of a collective. We definitely always ate together as a family every night. I don't know. I mean, looking back, I think that our holiday meals were often shared with extended family as often as possible. And so it was kind of that collective of everybody bring your best recipes and let's feed all these people type thing. So when Kyle and I got married, we got married right before our senior year of college. So when we got married, we moved into married student housing in our little state school. So we had the cinder block walls. I had a tiny little galley kitchen. There are pro- there are studio apartments in Manhattan that had bigger that have bigger <laughs> kitchens than we had, I'm sure. Teeny tiny little kitchen, but I was determined to 
make these elaborate homemade from scratch meals from the day we got married. Now, Kyle's mom is a fantastic cook. She is a wonderful cook. As I mentioned on the show last week, when we got married, she gave me a box full of their family's favorite recipes. Um, Their family, their cultural connections to food are really strong. My mother-in-law is Czech. My uh, father-in-law's family is German. And there's just, there's a lot of that cultural element of cooking the sort of traditional meals, not like for any other reason than this is just what we have. Like this is what we cook. So I gladly took on a lot of those traditions and learned how to make those things because I didn't really have that sort of cultural identity to Mm -hmm. relate to. So Anyway, so I started cooking these elaborate meals, start to finish, scratch. Also, my mother-in-law always served dessert for every single meal. So I thought, well, you got to have a homemade dessert for every meal. Kyle and I, when we were newlyweds, our first few years of marriage, we just packed on the weight (laughs) because we had gone from eating, you know, the junky food that college kids eat to now we had a full kitchen and I was cooking all the time. I loved it. So yeah, so I cooked a lot. Well, then Kyle started coaching. He coached college football for 11 years. And when he started coaching, it was really just me by myself a lot of the time. So sometimes I would make a meal. But then when we moved to Fort Worth, um, after we'd been married for a few years, and I was teaching, and Kyle was coaching, and he was never home for meals, then I just kind of stopped cooking for a while, because it's no fun to cook just for yourself a lot of the time. So I would just get like, lean cuisines and other like little freezer meals. And I was like, oh, yep. here I am back to healthy choice, <laughs> yes, healthy <laughs> choice, back to convenience food. But that's what just made sense because it was right. just me for a while. So that's sort of my history of cooking. Um, I did, I learned how to, out of necessity from a fairly early age, but really started to enjoy it when we got married. Yeah. And that's like you said, it's a little bit of the opposite. So it was probably the second half now of our marriage um, that I have started to really enjoy cooking. And it's become something that's a little bit of a passion of mine. I mean, you know, you said we talk about it. And back way at the beginning when you said, what's that one thing you can never stop talking about? Weather is absolutely it. But food would come in probably a close second because whether you're talking about it from a healthy eating standpoint, just, you know, what do people want? You're trying to avoid this or get more of that dealing with it with kids or just the sheer love of it, just for the flavors. And there, there are a few things that bring me so much joy on a daily, you know, small things basis as cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you have shared some incredible recipes, both on the show and on your blog. So not only do you enjoy it, but you're really good at it too. So, well, and I am, but I have to put the disclaimer out there just so people know. I am a follower of recipes. Oh, me too. I yes. very rarely like just go, huh, I got chicken and peanut butter and lemons. Yeah. I know what I'll make. Like, uh-uh. I- I'm just now starting to get to the point where I don't measure my salt. Like, I, you know, like no, I, I, mean, I just more of a rule follower and yeah. I think I just didn't trust myself, whatever. Um, so all the recipes on my blog that I share I may have tweaked them a little, but they came from somewhere. I am not a recipe inventor. I have friends who do that. I am in complete and utter awe of them that they can just do that. Yes, I have to. I suppose I should share part of Kyle's food story as well, because he is a major part of what we eat around here, because he is one of those cooks who can just go into the kitchen 
even if I think the cupboards are bare, he can just poke around in the fridge and the cabinets and just put together a whole thing and it's delicious. But he grew up again, like I said, his mom's a fantastic cook, but um, he was not in the kitchen very much. He was never one of those kids that wanted to be in there kind of um, helping alongside his mom. He was always out playing, of course. And Mm -hmm. so And when we were newlyweds and before we had kids, he just, I mean, again, he just was not home very much at all. So all of that changed though, actually, when, so when we lived in Fort Worth, Kyle was coaching at TCU, but then he got hired onto the staff at Texas State University in San Marcos. And he had to go, he got hired in January and I had to stay in Fort Worth to finish out my teaching year. And so he went and lived with another coach on staff down in San Marcos while I stayed in Fort Worth. Well, this coach that he lived with was from Louisiana. Now, I don't know if you've ever met families or gentlemen from Louisiana, but cooking men and cooking go together really well there. My brother has lived in Louisiana for a long time and has transformed into an amazing cook while he has lived there. So he lived with this other coach who cooked all the time. They would coach and be in meetings all day. They'd leave the office at about 10 at night, head to the grocery store, load their grocery cart up. It was it was just like three coaches that were living together as every all the families kind of got resettled and all of that. And they would load up on food, go back to this coach's house, cook until 11 or midnight. And just like every night was a feast. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> so cool, and, though. Yeah, yeah. They had a great time. And Kyle learned so much from him. And that really kind of gave him the bug to start learning how to cook. So it was while we were living in San Marcos um, that Kyle really started cooking and kind of discovered that he's really good at it. And he can come up with recipes on his own. And in fact, quite a few of the recipes I've shared on my own blog are things that he has just come up with, just invented. So around our house, I do a lot of the cooking during the week, but it is not unusual on the weekends then for Kyle, just because it's fun and he likes Mm -hmm. it and it's a good stress reliever. It's a fun hobby for him. He will still, he'll go on Saturday morning, not get the week's groceries, just get the weekend's groceries of what (laughs) he wants to cook and feeds us, feeds our neighbors, uh, feeds friends. We just have a really good time with food in large part because he really enjoys it. So he has the time and energy then on the weekends to do all of that. It restores him. Yeah. That's funny. I I am the only cook in our family and I'm okay with that because I do enjoy it so much. I'm a little like controlling, protective of it. Like, ah, this is what I do. This is my time. (laughs) This is my thing. Like, I don't really need you to come in here and get interested in this because this is kind of my own little thing that I get to do every day. I don't want you to come in here and and say, I'll cook tonight. It would take some of the joy away from me. So do you, do you like when your kids are in the kitchen? Are you one that wants to have kids at the countertop? Are you kind of like, okay, thank you for measuring the flour. Now you (laughs) can go. (laughs) Yes and no. I mean, they are. My kids all love to be in the kitchen with me some, Um, but yeah, I am a little bit like, that's, that's not how you cut the onions, honey. You know, like, or there, there's, there's, you know, they want to stir even just like cookie batter and stuff, and they're splattering the powder oh out, and I'm like, oh, hey, oh, so I, my favorite thing is just to cook kind of unencumbered, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if Corey can be home or be done with his work in time to, you know, play Uno or take kids outside, so that I could, I put on my Pandora station, mm-hmm. um, 
it's like a little jazzy music. Like I pretend like I'm in a little cafe somewhere in Paris. Like it's yes. just my fun thing. It's my fun rejuvenating time. It isn't if it's that witching hour thing. Right. Um, and certainly when the kids were younger, it was almost always that. So you kind of had to grit your teeth and get through it instead mm-hmm. of it being something life-giving. Right. But Corey, which is, this is interesting since he's, I mean, not to always go back to Myers-Briggs, but he's an INTJ too, but he's so, I think, he's not he's like the opposite minnesota men must be like the opposite of louisiana men like that makes up sense. here geographically I mean, speaking it makes yes, sense yes. And, and Corey was adopted so he doesn't even have like the swedish um sort of you know scandinavian roots that is very common in this part of the country generally speaking um like his family who adopted him is but he's just uber practical like so he's just it's about sustenance for him. Yeah. Um, he certainly had to learn to adjust being married to me. Cause I'm like, Oh my word, the, the basil, do you smell the basil? And he's like, I do, <laughs> you know? So now he's kind of learned to play with me. But when we first got married, this is true. He had been a bachelor living in Los Angeles for five years, living with guys. Mm-hmm. All of them were surfers, you know, like they were dudes. Yeah. So his meal that he would often make, he would just buy the things on the shelf and combine them all. So one time he actually tried to combine Dintymore stew, Hormel, um, corned beef hash, and like a can of baked beans. Oh, wow. Like he's like, that'll fill me. And he dumped them all in together, heated them up. I'm like, you did open the cans, right? Like you knew that much. Yeah, I, I dumped them all in the pot and he ate it. Oh, and he's like, it's fairly disgusting. turning my stomach to I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, so the good news is that when I got married and I didn't cook much, like ragu was a huge step up for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah so he's yeah. like, obviously, this is your thing. You take that ball and run with it. And so I have. So here, here's where we are today, where he has now taught himself to make fried eggs. And my kids love dad's fried eggs more than anything that mom could possibly make in the morning in the kitchen. Because that's like the only thing he makes. Um, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, and then to cooking when you have kids, I mean, I think sometimes it, if you do enjoy cooking and you really are excited about and proud of what you've made and then you serve it to your kids and kids' palates not being very well developed, I'm just giving lots of grace here. Yeah, you are. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's a bummer though. I can't tell you how many nights where I have worked really hard to get, like you said, I've got toddlers underfoot during the, that witching hour time and I've worked really hard and I've put together something I'm pretty proud of. And then I serve it and the girls are like, oh, how much of this do I have to eat? (laughs) (laughs) It kind of sucks the joy out of it a little bit, but I don't know. We just keep plugging away, I guess, in hopes that they'll come around eventually. Well, and you know, I actually have gotten kind of lucky and this is one of those weird life things that you get handed those lemons and you go, actually, this makes some pretty sweet lemonade. So as I've said, my husband travels for work. He goes to Washington, D.C. every week, usually in the middle of the week, but it can, it can vary. Um, he's traveled for years and years and years. So now this is just the most consistent travel of, of him being gone. So what has happened in my world is that I do love to cook, but I'm not going to waste my good cooking, even the ingredients and the time, when I only have kids sitting at my table to have them go, ew, (laughs) ew, (laughs) Jimmy Fallon, right? Yes. I have started to kind of take my 
maybe a new recipe or my more adult, if you will. I don't cook down to my kids, you know, like you're going to try it. Um, but save those for the times when Corey's home. Yeah. And then when he's gone, I take myself off the hook a little bit. And I say, I'm still going to cook because there were at the beginning and certainly with younger kids, there was a time when I said, I've just got to survive. I was in survival mode, you know? Sure. So I've just got to feed them something that's quick and somewhat nutritious. And that's a really wide berth at that time. You know, chicken nuggets are protein. Mm -hmm. Amen. And let's go with that. You know, so- You know, it was that sort of thing. And then as they got a little bit older and we were still in the season of travel, I said, well, I kind of, I want to do a little bit more. So I, I experimented and kind of found where we are now, which is a sweet spot of, I still cook on the nights that Corey's gone versus, you know, always ordering pizza. Um, but I do it in a very kid-friendly way. So the kids get half of the week of kind of more kid-centric meals and then the other half, it's adult meals. So when they turn their nose up, I'm like, I have no sympathy for you. Right. You know, last night we had cheesy rice and chicken drumsticks, uh-huh. you know, yes. with broccoli on the side, or you can pick your vegetable. Lots of times I even let my kids, when my husband's not here, I want them to eat a vegetable every night, but it's just, we have a pretty well stocked fridge of, you know, raw veggies. So I'm like, if you don't really want to eat the broccoli, then go get yourself some carrots. You know, I have two boys who are like, <laughs> they would eat carrots, but that's pretty much it. But then when dad's gone... I'm not going to fight them on that. At least they got a vegetable, you know? Right. So then the next night when you have to actually eat the um, roasted broccoli or the grilled asparagus, this is your night to to try that, you know? So that's been kind of a nice, it's just the way it fell into my laps to be able to, to balance some of those things. I think you could probably even do that even if your husband wasn't traveling or your spouse wasn't traveling just because you could say, I'm just going to do this tonight as a more kid-friendly meal. Or I even have some friends who will kind of feed their kids uh-huh. if they're little or they have a really early bedtimes and then they'll eat afterwards. Yeah. Kyle and the I, adult meal. We definitely did that for years when the girls were little. Um, especially when we still lived in Texas, when the girls were little, little, we would feed them their dinner or whatever. And then Kyle would, you know, grill steaks and mm-hmm. I, roast vegetables for after they had gone to bed when we could have a real grown up meal. We kind of, I guess, as I think about it, we kind of do a version of that as well. Because again, like I said, I cook most weeknights. Kyle, mm-hmm. because he came up under Louisiana cooking, a lot of what he cooks is pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. And whatever he cooks, and if it's spicy, we still want the girls to try it because that's how you acquire a taste for those things. Of course, none of it's, you know, it's not like we're <laughs> abusing them with making them, you know, <laughs> have like all this hot sauce or anything, but it's, it's got a little spice and a little depth of flavor to it. And so we want them to learn to eat and appreciate those things as well. The twins are kind, definitely kind of still in that realm where more often than that, first and first of all, I'm usually feeding them before anybody else because their schedule is just a little bit different, but it is a lot of toddler friendly food because mm-hmm. I'm still in that thing of just like, can we just get some nutrition into your body? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will worry about acquiring a taste for real food later. So mm-hmm. We are totally and that's there. okay. I think that's the cool thing too that I've learned having now been on this side of four kids going through toddlerhood is they will live and you will live. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes if what they will eat are cheese sticks and grapes, mm-hmm. 
that's okay. You know, like if they're okay going with it, like just keep offering it. I think when they get a little bit older, we've actually kind of gotten into some eh, loosey goosey sort of rules. Like when, once you hit kindergarten, like you have to eat this, do you have to just try it and then you can move on those sorts of things. I mean, different families come up with all sorts of different scenarios to fit their kids. But I think when they're toddlers, you know, four and under even maybe three for sure and under just whatever works and give yourself grace as the parent is dealing with that, you know, like it's, it's a hard age and they've got a lot going on. It's one battle that I think we don't have to fight on the front lines. That is my philosophy as well. Okay, so let's get into some specifics. Let's talk recipe hits and recipe misses. Um, Let's do our misses first. Our our recipe flops. Um, I have... (laughs) I have a story to tell on myself um, from a long time ago. I can't remember. I I feel like we were living in Texas at the time, and I don't know what possessed me to try this. Oh, I know what it was. When we when we were um, living in Texas, we went through a time when Kyle was first coaching full time that we are we were on a shoestring budget. And so I got into a really big frugal cooking kick. I'm not a frugal person by nature, but I was just, I was determined to get that grocery bill down as low as it could go. So I had come across a recipe for making a sort of knockoff of a pulled pork barbecue sandwich, but to make it frugal, which pork isn't that expensive anyway, (laughs) really, I don't know, but to make it a little healthier, supposedly, and a little more frugal... (laughs) This is going to sound so stupid. I can't believe I'm telling this story out loud. (laughs) The recipe, I'm actually blushing right now. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. Oh, this is good. Um, I'm leaning in. (laughs) The recipe called for, instead of using pork, to use canned tuna with barbecue sauce. I want you to just stop right now where you are. I want you to think about tuna and barbecue sauce. And then so, hopefully you're not reaching for the garbage can yes. too rich into it. That is almost as bad as the Dinty Moore stew. It is. With in fact, what in the world, Megan? When you were telling that story, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I think my barbecue tuna story might be up there. <laughs> barbecue tuna right there. Okay. The worst, the worst part is the worst part. I mean, actually, that that's awful. Barbecue sauce, tuna to make a knockoff pulled pork sandwich. But even worse than that, Kyle comes home to eat and I was just going to pass it off like <laughs> like it was a pulled pork sandwich. Had you tried it? Probably not. No. Like you just like sample it and you're just going to like slide it across the counter and kind of see what happens. Yeah, I was just going to like serve it up like, okay, let's sit down and eat. And so I did. I put it on buns and, you know, I don't know what else I had going on with it. But we sit down to eat and Kyle takes a bite. It's like, what? Is that tuna? <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> That's I'm, funny. I'm not sure. I know he spit it out. I feel like there may have been some retching involved as well. <laughs> it was one of the few times. Kyle has had to endure a lot of recipe experiments for me because I love to try new recipes. Mm-hmm. That was one of the few times where he's like, no, this is inedible. We're ordering a pizza. <laughs> yes. Okay. So bad. And so to this day, to this day, he teases me about it. And even if I have a recipe flop now, he's like, well, that was not my favorite, but, yes. but it was still better than barbecue. Tuna. Yes. 
So let it, let that be a word of warning to you all. Yeah. And that's funny because that's very similar to Corey and I, he is, he will eat obviously almost anything, (laughs) obviously. Right. So he is so gracious. He knows, he knows I love to cook. I mean, like you said, he might say it's not my favorite. Um, but for the most part, he never complains and he doesn't say, he just is like, go for it. So there was though this one time, (laughs) it isn't always when you're like early married, bless us. Um, because I didn't cook, we moved about nine months after we got married to Phoenix. And so I was like, what am I going to do? My mom, I think I had gotten a cookbook, you know, for a a wedding shower, like probably, was it Betty Crocker or is it Better Homes and Gardens? The one that's like the red and white checks. Uh I think everybody has one of those mostly. Um, and it's good because it's a lot of just basic recipes, like, you know, things, most people, like how do you make mashed potatoes or baked potatoes? I don't even know. Like, what am I doing? So it has all those really basic things. I also took one of my mom's cookbooks with her permission that she wasn't using anymore. It was from when she had first got married. So it's an early 60s, or I'm sorry, early 70s cookbook. Uh-huh. It was called Cooking for Two. And I loved it when I was a kid because it had all these fascinating cultural things in it. Like the first chapter of it was like how to set a table for a tea, how to set a table for a women's luncheon and all these things. So it was assuming like you were, it was very 1950s, very 1950s. So how to put the flowers on the table for your husband when he comes home from work, you know? So it was cooking for two. It was very sweet. So in there, they had a little, and what they would do is not just have recipes, but they would have a whole meal planned. So it was like cooking for company. So then that was when you brought, made the, you know, pot roast and and it would have the the jello salad and then the dessert, like you said, and then this is how you would want to set the table for that. So they had one chapter that was on saving money, like frugal cooking. So we also had a time when we were being very frugal. That was when we ate like a whole month's worth of like French toast, pancakes, waffles, French toast, pancakes, waffles, you know, things that were easy and very inexpensive. And I thought I would surprise him in this very lean season for us and make a recipe from this book. And it's very 1950s. Have you ever seen, I uh, one of the very first blogs I ever read was written by a man. He's a columnist here in the Twin Cities. And he has a gallery of the most regrettable foods. And it's like the 1950s. People send him recipes. They send him pages from magazines. I mean, it's like people used to put tuna in jello, like unflavored, like gelatin, like as a cold salad. I mean, like things like that where you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Who thought of this? You know, it's horrid sorts of things. It's hysterical, though. And his commentary is funny. It was that kind of a recipe. You made biscuits, which of course I was cooking with Bisquick. So it was Bisquick biscuits for Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. And then you were making a cream sauce that had stuff in it to put on top of the biscuits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I grew up, my mom is from like Kentucky, kind of the Ohio Valley region. I don't know if it's, I think it's more of a Southern thing actually, chipped beef on toast. Mm. So it was like, it was horrible budding beef. (laughs) It's like a dollar for 10 packages at the grocery store. (laughs) We would cut it up and she would make like a white sauce and put it in there. We would have toast and we would eat this Uh meat sauce. I think you could, I'm sure you could do it with tuna, not barbecue sauce, (laughs) but tuna in a white sauce. So this was the same idea, only to keep it even more frugal, you put in peas and um, hard-boiled eggs. Oh, wow. Maybe some tuna. Uh So I don't really even know what I'm doing. So like the hard-boiled eggs are way overcooked. You know, they're green. The peas are old. The biscuits are kind of burned. It was so 
gross and gluey. And like I served it and we all, we kind of looked at it. It's like gray things oh. on your plate oh. with a sludge on top, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, hi, dear. This is what I made for I dinner. I made a special meal for us. <laughs> it's gray. That's not an easy color to attain in the cooking world. <laughs> I mean, we both tried to eat it, and then we pretty much collapsed in laughter. He's like, I'm sorry. You know I will eat anything, but I can't even eat this. Like, I'm not even sure it qualifies as food. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, so we did. We, we threw it away, even on our very limited budget, knowing we were throwing protein away. But it was that bad. That is funny. Yes. Well, if you're listening and you have your own tales of recipe flops, please tell them to us either on Twitter or on Instagram, or on Facebook, because I know Kelly and I would love to be comforted to know that we are not the only ones who have put together something completely inedible in the kitchen. Okay. Well, those are our flops. Let's talk about some of our hits. Um, some of the things that we do really well. Kelly, I know this is sort of your forte, so I would love to hear what some of your top dishes, your go-to dishes that you feel like you can pull off pretty easily? Well, I would say they're different depending on if I'm cooking for the whole family or just the kids. Um, I would say, I said this last time, so if you missed the last episode with me, my sort of awesome of the week was slow cooker salsa chicken tacos. And that's still, it remains a go-to for me all year long. It's super easy. Something that takes seven ingredients, no prep, basically. And then you can make a double size portion. You can freeze part of it. You can do so much with it. And what I've come to learn is that I love doing things like that, where you can make a big mess of meat somehow, and then you can use that to, to do other yeah. things. So I have a pulled pork recipe that I love. You know, it's actually it's involves actual pork. actual pulled pork, yes. Real pork. <laughs> I don't think that they meant tuna when they said the other white meat, you know. Um it's pork, and I, I, I've actually come to make my own barbecue sauce that I really love. Um, I would say, and I've shared this recipe on the board as well, is um, something that people know me for in the summer, Cajun turkey burgers. Mm -hmm. So those are a little bit spicy, like you said, but turkey burgers, they're super easy to make. And I love to bake. So I have known if people invite me over somewhere, if we're going to have a meeting of people who like to cook, I will almost always jump all over dessert. Uh, just because I always, it's embarrassing actually, when I go through a food magazine, I'm like, oh, there's some good, every dessert has got like a little dog-eared page on that. Like, uh -huh. yeah, I, I can't cook all of these or I would weigh 500 pounds. Right. <laughs> My kids would eat nothing but sugar. So I always have a large stash for each season of cooking, baking dessert recipes that I want to try. So um, I loved to bake. I love to bake too. One of my recipe hits that I just shared on the show last week is that chocolate cake. When I was a guest on the podcast, I'll pop a link into the show notes. I can't remember what episode number it was, but when they asked me to come on that show, they asked, one of the questions they asked me was, what do you do well or do better than anybody else? And I said on the show, and I do think this, that I make really great stovetop popcorn, really good. Um, I pop it in coconut oil, not for any kind of health benefit, although it is healthy, coconut oil is, but because it just gives a little tiny hint of sweetness to the popcorn. Okay. And then I use real butter and sea salt on it, and it is so good. So good. And then another thing that I make really well, um, and I will put a link in the show notes to this because I have actually put it on Sort of Crunchy, is a German 
um, sort of like a a meat pie type thing. Okay. You know, like every culture mm-hmm. kind of has a meat pie. Mm-hmm. Well, the German version of that is called beer rocks. My mother-in-law uh, is makes them really well. And I got the recipe from her. We don't make them very much because I've never, we kind of do more like gluten-free a lot, or we sometimes try to stay, we especially kind of stay grain-free during the week. Um, so I've never really found a great replacement for that. I don't make them very often, but the girls love beer rocks and Kyle actually still likes them too. I do too. So I will put a link in the show notes to that. And then another thing, I know this sounds so silly. It's so basic, um, such a basic recipe that most anybody can put together, but I think I make really good scrambled eggs. Mm. Hey, you know what though? There's an art to a good scrambled egg. Alton Brown has like a whole like three minute video because he says most people do them wrong. So what do you do? Okay. So my secret to scrambled eggs, the way I do it is, um, first of all, when you're, you, so you scramble your eggs in a bowl, you want to add in a dash of cream, real Mm. cream and whip that into, into your eggs as you're scrambling them in the bowl. And then I like to cook them again, coconut oil. I didn't realize this was such a big part of my (laughs) kitchen, uh, secrets, but I like to get the skillet out and I cook them in coconut oil. I like to get the coconut oil nice and hot and then pour the eggs in that have been mixed with cream. And then as they're cooking, you want to, and after I get the oil nice and hot, I turn the heat down low Mm -hmm. so they can scramble really nice and slow in the skillet and then salt and pepper them as they're cooking. I like them just like that. Now, Kyle likes to add shredded cheddar cheese to his. Um, and I like that okay, but I like him just the eggs, cream, salt, and pepper. So good. And the, all of my kids really like them too. So, And you know what? There is a, I really have come back around to eggs recently yeah. because they're such a great protein source. They are. And I would read interviews with chefs, whether it was like from Food Network or just, you know, people that you wouldn't recognize by name or profile, but they are very well known in the cooking world. And so many of them said, like if they said, what's the thing that you cook for you? Eggs. It was eggs because they get home late at night and they say, I am exhausted. I don't want to cook anything, but to make a really good scrambled egg or, you know, a poached egg on toast or something, it was kind of that comfort food. It is. Um, And I I think that we sometimes go, oh, I'm having breakfast for dinner again. But you know what? It's good and it's good for you. And so I started to make more egg dishes to be able to put my kids' lunches even since they don't like sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I love a really good scrambled egg, like you're, you're saying. I have to tell you. Okay, so here's one thing. Somebody asked me, so that is actually one of those secrets, I feel like, to share with somebody if they were like, oh, I don't know what to cook. Don't overlook eggs. But here's one other little secret I found to cooking both for my kids and for um, my husband, no matter what kind of meal I'm cooking. And it is this, to keep a pork loin in my freezer at all times so that oh. I can get that out. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're thin, um, so they cook really fast. I buy them at Trader Joe's and they are marinated. So I get a flavored one. That's the peppercorn garlic. Um, that baby defrosts really quickly. So if I'm ever having a busy day and I'm thinking, oh, we, we need something to eat. We've ordered out too much, whatever it is. Um, having that pork loin in the freezer is such a quick defrost. It cooks up, I mean, in half an hour. I have a recipe, and we can maybe throw that into the show notes. It's not even really a recipe as much as it is directions, of using a cast iron skillet, and you put it in the oven as it's preheating so it's hot, and then you drizzle a little oil. You pop that baby of the pork loin in there. You can even you know, make it into a C shape if you need to. It cooks in probably 15 minutes. You can put that with rice, with pasta, with some sweet potatoes, and some veggies, and boom, you have dinner. Yes. And so that has become a trick for me. I always, as soon as I use 
my pork loin from my freezer, I put that right back on my Trader Joe's list because it's been so nice to have. It's such it's just like one of those quick, easy dinners that yeah. doesn't really involve a recipe, but especially the one that I get that's, and I know that Hormel, I know other places do a flavored pork loin. We can get lemon and, you know, just all sorts of different um, sauces that it's already marinated in. It's super easy and just a really yummy sort of easy thing to do for dinner. That is a fantastic secret. And even if you don't have kids, if you live on your own or if you, mm -hmm. it's just you and a partner, pork loin is one of those great things. You can cook it like that. And then I will often do this because I love pork loin and it is so packed with protein. It's fantastic um, source of protein, but you can, I, I'll cook one for dinner and then I'll eat the leftovers for lunch yes. for the next few days. So a pork loin is one of those you can definitely cook up and then have make several meals out of. So right. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because the last thing that we were going to talk about on the show is meal planning. Mm -hmm. And we had a fantastic discussion in the Hangout group about different approaches to meal planning, whether you use an app, if you use good old-fashioned pen and paper. And one of the things that I have found, I for many years, I was a very detailed meal planner. I would plan out every meal that I was going to make, the main dish, the sides, everything, and have this really detailed grocery list. I don't know if it's just the fact that I have four kids now or if I'm just old and lazy or what. <laughs> I really don't plan my meals that way anymore. I'm more of like, I know I know I can grab a pork loin. I know I can grab a tray of chicken thighs. I know I can pick up ground mm -hmm. beef and I can find stuff in my kitchen that will make a meal that everybody's happy with. So I'm almost on the opposite end of where I used to be. I used to be really strategic, really detailed. Now I'm more like lackadaisical. Like these are my greatest hits that I always get like you with your Trader yep. Joe's, Trader Joe's um, pork loin. When I go to the grocery store, I almost don't even need a list because I'm like, we need this, we need this, we need this. And I will put together our family favorites with this stuff. So, right. But you looked into some of the suggestions that came from right. the hangout group thread. So you wanted to share, and I would love for you to share some of the things that our community talked about as helpful in meal planning. Yeah. I also have a pretty good system of meal planning, kind of like you. It has gone to less structure, um, a little bit more free floating. I still do write down my food because otherwise I find, I think like a lot of people, whoever cooks for your family or just even if you're cooking for you, if you put it off until 5 p.m., it becomes this all overwhelming, panicky, deer in the headlights sort of thing. So just to know in the morning what I'm going to be making tonight is a huge stress reliever for me. So just to have that planned out. Um, but it is usually just like a main course. It does tend to be a little bit repetitive. Um, I, I'm always throwing in a couple new things, but just being realistic about how much time I really have, what the kids will eat, um, and that sort of thing. So I love to look into like this group discussion that we had in the Hangout group about what other things are out there. So several people mentioned kind of more, and I didn't even know these existed, subscription-based meal planning services. Right. So, yeah. you know, they, they cost, you know, a few dollars or whatever per month. And of course, there's all sorts of ways you can, you can bring those costs down. But one that several people mentioned was Fresh 20. Um, it, I think it gets the name because they say that you can go shopping, you can get their five meals, 20 ingredients, the grocery store, it's fresh. It's more of, you know, you're not using convenience foods for it. Um, Marissa mentioned that one. Um, several people mentioned Plan to Eat, which is a, a website and an app. It actually lets you use your own recipes. 
So you can import them from all sorts of different services that are online or probably even upload them. And then it will help you and let you fill them in on a calendar. Um, and then it will even like read those recipes and consolidate a grocery list for you. So Brianne, Ellie, Rachel, Lindsay, a bunch of people in the group said, oh, I love that. Like it's money, but it's money that's well worth it because it's helping me get all this information, which I mean, it's true. We have the old hardcover cookbooks. We have Pinterest. We have online sites, um, all the blogs. So it's just nice to be able to consolidate it. Um, another app is Pepper Plate. Um, both Krista and Katie mentioned that. It's another one that will help you manage your recipes and your create menus and that grocery list. And then there were a couple um, emails was mentioned by Jessica and Angie and Prep Dish by Dahlia were both helping you come up with those ideas for the actual recipes. So the cool thing about all these subscription services is that you can say, well, I eat gluten-free or I'm looking for a vegetarian menu or I'm looking for, you know, family-friendly or crock-pot meals. So you can kind of customize a little bit what you're looking for versus, you know, sometimes those subscription services will send you stuff and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to really make any of those. Right. Like I yeah. know, like for you, you know, like, oh, that's a like cilantro salad. <laughs> Pass, right. right. Or I think my kids are not going to eat fish. So whatever, whatever it is. So it's nice that you can kind of customize it. So that's a great option. Um, A couple people also mentioned some blog posts and we can link maybe directly to these in the show notes. One was by the Nestor. Um, Tracy mentioned that it's, she calls it her meal planning secret post where she gives her tips. Like we've just been both saying, this is kind of how I do it. Right. And so her tips for this is how I plan my meals at this stage of life. And she also keeps a pork loin in the freezer. Yeah, I was like, yes. So smart. Somebody else is um, validating me. And then our own, I guess, because she was on the show before, um, Rachel Ann, she has yeah. a post too. And it also has even printables and things where she kind of walks through how she does her meal planning. Laura mentioned that in the in the group and said that it's just really helpful to, I think it is always good to see how other people deal with this? You know, how do they take the recipes? I mean, I I like to try to make sure we're not eating all the same thing. I'm not going to make chicken too many nights in a row. You know, I like try to mix it up ethnicity. So if we're going to have tacos, you know, tonight I'm making rice and beans. I make the beans in the crock pot um, and then I fry up some kielbasa and it's customizable. It's like a rice and bean bar for my kids. Some of them really like the rice and not so much the beans and vice versa, or they like the meat, they don't like the meat. We do that. It's really easy. So it's nice to see what other people are making, I yeah. feel like. So that's what some of these are. And then, of course, a couple of blogs were mentioned. And there are so many oh my cooking goodness. blogs out there. Yes. And there's so many that are well done. And people who are inventive cooks, they come up with their own recipes. And several of them, two that were mentioned in the Hangout group, were Mel's Kitchen Cafe Oh yeah, and Good Cheap Eats. Uh-huh. Um, both of those have meal plans, sample meal plans, recipes, I mean, all sorts of of food that you would want. Everything from, like you said, people who are really frugal and are focused on that part of cooking to people who are really, you know, focused on gluten-free or paleo or whatever it might be. You can find a blog, (laughs) a really good blog with it on there. Um, Or, of course, Pinterest would have a ton of things like that, too. And I have to say my own personal favorite for cooking is it's, it's, we'll just take a moment of silence uh, for it. It's defunct now, but it was a Martha Stewart publication called Everyday Food. And it was a small little cookbook. I think probably at this point, half of my favorite recipes 
they all come like when I pull them out of my little recipe. I still have a recipe box. They are pages torn out of those old magazines. So yes, that was two, a fantastic resource. It was so good. And it was mm-hmm. so approachable. Um, so they do have two cookbooks. I just realized. So I just checked them out from the library. So I'm going to check those out. Um, but I think if I can say this out there, we would love to hear where you find your inspiration, um, where you find whether it's meal planning or what you cook or what you like to cook. I mean, just this little bit of crowdsourcing that we did on the Hangout was so good. And I feel like that's one of the great things about the Facebook group is it's amazing the wealth and the depth of resources we have there. So I would love to hear yes. because I love to talk about food. You, could, you will never not get a response from <laughs> If you're talking about food and recipes, I would love to hear your favorite blogs or your favorite recipes, and maybe I will add them to my list. Please do find us to share those with us because, I mean, like Kelly said, that has been one of the most unexpected but completely awesome things about our Hangout group on Facebook is the amount of crowdsourcing that goes on. We have people asking a variety of questions like, what would you guys do about this? Or can you point me in the direction of that? And everybody in there is just so helpful and so willing to share what they know. I have learned so much in the past few months just from community members in there sharing their knowledge and expertise and their experiences. So we would love to continue this conversation with you all. Um, in there or in any place that you can find us. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.